Um, uh, Pastor John is not here. He's in Oahu this morning. Uh, when he announced that he had to go and he's going to be preaching for our church uh, side, um, we felt like we needed to let him go because Pearlside, I don't know if you know this, uh, Pearlside is probably one of the largest churches in uh, Hawaii right now, probably four or 5,000 people in that church. And they have been such a blessing to us here in Maui. As soon as they heard what's, what was going on, they began taking up an offering. They have given to us $200,000 so far. That is so amazing. <clears throat> I'd rather hear my son preach, and yet we felt obligated that he needed to go and just say thank you and explain what is going on over here. So that's what he's doing. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Father, bless this time. Bless your word. Speak to each of our hearts. We ask that you would minister to our lives in a way that we would understand from your perspective all that is happening. And we, we want our lives and our hearts to fit into your plan for our lives, for our family, and for your church and for this island, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said, amen. You know, <clears throat> I, the thought that I want to leave you with this morning is that life is unpredictable. Can you say that, everybody? Life is unpredictable. How many of you have ever, ever made some plans and everything just falls apart? You know, you, you, you're just expecting something to happen and it never happens. The, the most surprising thing that's happened is what we're engaged in in Maui right now. This, this was unthinkable. But that happens in every single one of our lives in smaller degrees. And it would be good for you to just kind of think through what was the most unpredictable thing, a negative thing that happened to your life? You know, for me, I look back and I, one of the most trusted friends we had betrayed us. And if God didn't intervene, we wouldn't be a church today because of that. And I look back at that and th I never expected that that was going to happen in my life. Uh, I think one of the best solid investments that anybody can make, and I've recommended this over the years, is put money into Hawaiian Electric. <laughs> How many know that that's not a good investment right now? <laughs> they're, they're probably in store for a $5 billion liability because of what's happened. You know, so it went from $40 to $13, and so I've got about a third of what I put in right now. <clears throat> but there's also unpredictable good things that happen. So can you think about that? You know, what are some of the unpredictable good things? That, you know, one of my greatest joy is what is happening to my family. You know, I've got David back there handling the sound this morning. John's preaching. Sharina's in Michigan working with the church on staff and long distance with, with our staff. And uh, my granddaughter, Sophia, is doing the PowerPoint <laughs> for my message this morning. And I look at that and I thought, I never imagined my, my family would be fully engaged in our church the way that they are. So I'd like you to just kind of think through this morning. What has been the 
most unpredictable negative thing that has ever happened in your life. And you know, whatever they are, God works it out for good according to his plan. And then he gives you surprises by giving you good things that happen in your life that you never expected to. <clears throat> Someone said the only thing predictable about life is its unpredictability. So I want to take a look at the scriptures from uh, Ecclesiastes. I had Ecclesiastes on my mind. <clears throat> and I want to speak about a time for everything. Life doesn't happen just like we plan. Life happens according to whatever circumstances, whatever opportunities, whatever tragedies take place in all of our lives. And here's what, here's what Solomon says in regards to life. He says, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck out what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose. That's really hard to swallow. A time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. What time is it in your life? I want to talk about what I feel are my lessons from this past month and a half. I believe we're living in a time of shaking. I thought about three years ago, never anticipating a worldwide crisis of a virus affecting every nation in the world. Never imagined that. Never imagined that what's happening now in Maui would have happened, but it's happening. And this is what the scripture says, Hebrew 12, 26, and 27. God has promised, and he says, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heavens. That's really interesting. And what we're seeing is natural phenomena, but we're, we are on the verge of seeing heavenly phenomena take place too. Signifying the removing of those things that are shaken and of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You know, everything that we have in this life can be taken away. And there's one day that's coming where it's going to happen for every single one of us. We're going to have to leave every single thing in this world behind when we leave. Uh, <clears throat> I was really reluctant years ago when Sharina, probably this is maybe eight years ago, just after... I retired and passed over the, uh, the church to uh, Jonathan. Uh, Sharina would just bug me and say, you got to start a senior ministry. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not that old. I shouldn't start a senior ministry. <laughs> and if I start a senior ministry, I'm, t I'm telling everybody I'm old. But God laid it on my heart. Finally, we began about five years ago. We spent probably three years in the book of Genesis. We're just now jumping into the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and um, 
How many of you are over 55 in our, in our church? Can I see your hands? You're over 55. You know, the, the senior needle moves from 50 to 55 to 60. So, you know, if you're over 55, every Thursday at 1030, we have a, uh, we have a meeting together. We worship together. We actually, this is really interesting. We, we look at health issues. And I believe that we have, we potentially have the healthiest senior group probably in the islands. Uh, and, and then we get into the Bible and take a look. And just recently, uh, I realized we're talking about longevity and how to live healthy and live long. A lot of people are afraid of living long because they, they feel like they're going to be part of the population average that gets old and gets sickly. And I believe you can live long and live healthy. And <clears throat> then I realized we're the generation closest to leave this earth and go to heaven, and we're not even talking about what heaven is like. <laughs> so we've just included 10 minutes of what heaven is like every single uh, time we gather. And um, <clears throat> it has gotten us tremendous insights into what heaven is like. This is, um, this is John Rockefeller. He was the wealthiest man in the world in the early 1900s. And by today's standard, he would still be the wealthiest person in the world. At his funeral, a friend came up to his accountant and said, uh, how much did he leave behind? He wanted to find out what is his total assets. You know what the accountant said? He said, everything. How much did he leave behind? He left behind everything. That's what's going to happen to every single one of us in our life. One day, we're going to have to say goodbye to everything in this world and leave into another world. This is, uh, this is Brian Hoyleland. I have a temptation to say Hoyleland <laughs> because of Jeff and uh, his family. <clears throat> he died for 20 minutes on the operating table, went to heaven, came back. And, he's, and what he saw, we're learning all these little tidbits about heaven. He said um, he was in the middle of heaven with the crowds of people all around him. And he said what was amazing was that he had a 360-degree view of everything as far as he could see around him. Can you imagine that? And then it made sense to me when I, when I read the book of Revelation, it says that the four beasts have eyes in front of them and eyes before them, behind them. That we are going to see things we have never seen before when we cross the divide from this life to the next life. And I believe one of the most solid foundations that you can have in your life, if you don't have that, is to have the fearless expectation of what heaven is like beyond your grave. And when you have Christ in your life, you can have that confidence. And if you've not opened your heart to receive Christ in your life, I can remember that at 15 years of age, uncertain about death, I had this 
this uh, sense of deep confidence that should I die, I know where I'm going. It never left me all these years. And so when you receive Christ into your life, and if you've never done that before, I would strongly urge you, open your heart, receive him. Experience forgiveness of sins, experience the promise of eternal life that will be with you throughout your whole life. <clears throat> Death is the ultimate shaking of our life's assets. How are you facing death? And as Christians, death is a doorway to a far better life. We're not only living in a time of shaking, we're living, this is really interesting. You know that problems and catastrophes and disasters surface what's inside of you. Any kind of tension, any kind of pressure that you, uh, you undergo in your life either gets the best out of you or the worst out of you, right? I appreciate Pastor Lance the, the other week saying that he thought he was a perfect person until he got married. You know? And I think that's true for every single one of us. Until you get into a relationship with others, you never know what's inside of your life. And we're involved. What, what has happened in Maui has unveiled true motives. Uh, this is what Ephesians says. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Charles Dickens said, the time that he lives in is, is the best of times, and it's the worst of times. If you look at the negative, you can see all kinds of negatives. If you look at the positive, you can see all kinds of positives. But how does God want us to live? He wants us to be able to live with thankfulness in our hearts for all the things, because there's, there always be things in a fallen world where we have expectations that will never be met. In relationships, in regards to our jobs, in regards to our family, in relationship to our finances, <clears throat> times like this, J.K. Rowling says, times like this brings out either the best in some people or the worst. I don't know if you've, I, I am just surprised, you know, that as soon as everything happened, people were just pointing blame. And I think where blame needs to be accepted, it needs to be accepted. But to have that attitude just of negativism is very deadly to, to our lives. And what, in catastrophe, this, this is, um, here are some of my thoughts that's in your notes this morning. Stress doesn't create response. It surfaces what's already there. And so when you see something that's negative coming out of your life, you need to just evaluate that and say, why is it there? How can I, how can I deal with that and get rid of it? Uh, Matthew says, um, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, every tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. What's inside the heart? In catastrophe, some seek to help the helpless, while others seek to take advantage of the helpless. And that's a real sad situation that's happening right now. Uh, years ago, when I came to Maui, because of the success that I had in ministry in Oahu, uh, in a period of eight years, we went from a handful of college students to over 100 college students, 12 of them that went to ministry. I just felt like when I came to Maui that 
we would have the best church, the biggest church, the most powerful church. Everybody would want to come to our church. That, that's my, the, there's something about youth and its uh, idealism that captures your heart so that you see nothing else, you know? And I didn't realize that, that my heart was so arrogant until I tasted the fruit of that arrogance. And I met somebody else who felt the same way about me and wanted to destroy our church. And I thought, God just spoke to my heart. And I can remember gathering together with other pastors in a fellowship time, and God asked me to confess to them, repent for my attitude. And I looked at the pastor and said, please forgive me. My, my arrogance is terrible. And you know, from that time on, this is almost over 20 years ago, we have had the greatest fellowship of pastors across denominational barriers of 15 to 20 pastors. I mean, it's been an amazing thing. And um, this, is, this is a picture of uh, Pastor Herman uh, Haupu. Just recently, probably about four or five years ago, I got into the pastorate and got hold of me and said, hey, I hear that there's a fellowship of pastors. Can I join with you guys? So we've grown in our fellowship together, not realizing that the relationships we build will bring great fruit in the future. I tasted the bad fruits of a bad attitude. And about two weeks ago, he calls me up and says, there's a guy in our church, his name is Eric West, he's raising money from Lahaina, and he needs to give this money away because everybody is looking at him and attacking him, that, thinking that he's just raising this money to keep it for himself. So we, we want to give it away. And he belongs to our church. Can your church be one of the churches that he gives $100,000 to? And I'm on the phone thinking, what? <laughs> I don't know if you remember, you know, when Pastor John said, we're going to start giving $500 to every family that we know from our, from our church. You know, and as far as we knew, you know, nobody in our church was affected by this. But we, we didn't realize that when he did that, there would be 200 families connected with our church. And by the end of the week, there were 600 of them. So I'm just amazed that at a time like this, what's in the hearts of people come out. And we were there, Pastor Lance and myself, this is the image of that, <clears throat> in Lahaina, right, ac right across uh, the subdivision uh, from Laniopoko Beach, and <clears throat> under the little park there, and Eric West's son, Colton, writes out a check, he's a 19-year-old boy that started a GoFundMe account that has $800,000 in there says, we want to give you $100,000. says, you guys were one of the first boots on the ground helping people in Lahaina. We want to give you this money, not knowing that we're giving $500 away, <laughs> you know, and we want to do a second round of that. What, what comes out of your heart is not there 
because somebody bad is around you. It's because something bad is inside of you that you've got to deal with. And when you deal with that, something happens. You know, the, most of us want to blame our, our bad attitudes towards somebody else's uh, problem rather than looking at ourselves and saying, there's a problem in my life. I need to deal with it. And we're living in a time not only of us shaking, but the shaking is going to produce attitudes that need to be dealt with in all of our hearts. We're also living in a time of miracles. I believe that this is an opportune time for God to work miracles in your life and my life. And the degree to which the miracle is, is expressed is going to be the degree to which the need is evident. The, greater, the less of a need there is, the less of a miracle is needed. But if you have a great need, you're going to have great miracles taking place. And I, I believe that we're living in a time of such great need, God is going to, and, and if you haven't felt that in your life, uh, God is going to bring challenges into your life that's going to force you into, into a place of, and a position of faith to believe God for things that you've never believed him for before. Jesus looked at them, and this is Mark 10, 27. He looked at them and he said, with man, this is impossible, not with God. All things are possible with God. I appreciate the message that Pastor John shared a few weeks ago on the five loaves and two fishes, that God can take a little and multiply it. And that's what we have seen him do. The greater the need, the greater the miracle. Elijah went to that widow woman who had her last meal to cook in a famine, and he asked her for some of that meal. And she, by faith, shared it with him, and the Bible tells us that there was food in her house for three and a half years as that famine persisted. That when we, by faith, believe, God will multiply the expression of that faith. You know, when I take a look at Pearl Side and I look at uh, Eric West and what they've done, they covered that first two weeks of our giving, even when we didn't have that money, $300,000 from two people. But you know, what is a miracle today? And I've taken a look at this in an amazing way. I'm, I'm sitting back watching what is happening. And in one month, in the life of our church, into the Lahaina Fire Relief Fund came more money than what takes a whole year for us to receive as tithes and offerings from our church. In one month, what is equivalent and beyond one month of offering, a one year of offering has come in. And I look at that and I say, how did that happen? How, how can something like that happen? It's because God is a God of the miraculous. And when we take steps to believe, God will respond with a miracle. What you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Uh, you know, sometimes you can take a look at, those are two real major gifts. 
almost all the other gifts were gifts of $50 or $100 or a few thousand dollars. Uh, I've had calls from the mainland. They said, we don't really know you folks, but we want to give, we don't want to give to an agency. We want to give to a church because we know that you're going to take all the money and give it away. And so can we give to you? And they have fundraising activities going on in churches we don't even know and sending us thousands of dollars. I think, what's going on? What's happening? God's doing the miraculous. And you might feel like what you're doing might not be that great. You're just giving $50 or $100. You want to give more. But every little bit counts. Every two loaves and every uh, uh, five fishes and two loaves can multiply. And what you do is really significant. I, I, I was thinking about Eric West. You know, he was one person, gave $100,000. Pearlside, their gift was the result of thousands of people giving it. And so every single thing that you give is in a, this uh, older man was walking. I, I think you heard the story of the starfish. You know, this old, older man was walking uh, in the beach early in the morning. Saw this little kid with, uh, in the middle of uh, starfishes that were stranded on the shore of the beach. And he looked, the older man looked, and he saw thousands and thousands of starfishes just stranded on the, on the beach. And this little kid was picking two or three up and throwing it back in. And he went over to the little kid and said, um, you know, there's thousands of starfishes. You know, what, how can you make a difference? You know what the little kid did? He stooped down, picked up one starfish, threw it into the sea. He looked at the man and he said, it made a difference for that one. Whatever it is that you do makes a difference for the people that get touched by the charity and the compassion of your heart. And I want to close with this this morning. We're living not only in a time of miracles, a time of revealing true motives, or a time of shaking. And I believe the shaking is going to happen even greater in the days to come. Things that are unpredictable are going to be taking place. Who expected COVID-19? And uh, I didn't share this, but there's a, I don't know if you can do this, Sophia, but way back in the beginning of my PowerPoints, I did a thing on Revelation. <clears throat> We're just studying the book of Revelation. And I was shocked because I was talking with different ones of the seniors, and they said, it's not really important to, to go through all these you know, intricate insights into the book of Revelation because that's so far ahead of us. And when it happens, it's going to happen until the line of fire. And we realize, wow, we're living closer to all these things that are being given to us in the book of Revelation than we imagine. And we're, we're just going through the, uh, yeah, we're going through the seals. The book of Revelation is divided into three judgments. The seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the vile judgments. And, we're, and I believe we're at the fifth and seal judgment, the fifth and sixth seal uh, judgments prior to the beginning of seven trumpets and seven vials, which I believe is going to take place in a period of three and a half years. <clears throat> but this is really interesting because what, we, what happened in Lahaina 
there was 2,000 buildings burned, 116 dead, and, about, and thousands of people displaced. We looked at that as a tremendous travesty, a catastrophe that's taking place on our island, right? That same week, what was happening around the world that because we get so inundated with what's happening here, we don't see the broader picture. This is what's happening around the world. The Morocco earthquake with 3,000 dying through that earthquake. 5,000 people injured. The Libya flood victims, 20,000 people through that flood dead. And this is happening all over the world. Why? Because God's trying to get our attention. We're living in a very unprecedented time, and we need to understand what God is saying about what's going to happen in the future. And the Bible, prophetically, as as the people of Jesus' day, many of them knew that the Messiah was coming the first time. Wise men came from the east. Shepherds were notified. Simeon and Anna knew. Elizabeth was, was told. So there were a lot of people who knew, I believe, before Jesus comes a second time, that God is going to get the attention of his church and tell us, we're living in that, time, in that period of time. Don't fall asleep. Be awake. And realize that God wants to use you. And I want to finish with this point. <clears throat> We're living in a time of compassion. God wants to place compassion in our hearts. And this is what Isaiah 54 verse 10 says. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I just want to find out from you, how many of you have shed some tears over what's happened in Lahaina? You know, I was really surprised because I'm talking with different people and I'm just saying something about what we're doing or what's happening, and I can't talk. Uh, the week right after the fire, uh, we, were, we were doing the, the sixth seal of Revelation with the uh, seniors, and Sabi was playing this uh, song that I had asked him to play, uh, There's a Time for Everything. And when I got up to share my study with the seniors, I thought that I wouldn't be able to complete it because my heart was just crying inside. I could not... I could not uh, compose myself well enough to, say, to speak. Uh, I believe, and, there, and there's times I believe that uh, God is going to plant, uh, let me just share this thought. This is, this is a man that I really admired in my college years. His name is uh, Bob Pierce. Uh, he began a, an organization called World Vision International that cared for orphans, that wanted to shelter people who didn't have homes, um, who were just helping people that didn't have food to eat. And this is the first time in evangelical Christian history that a man, rather than feeling a call to be like a Billy Graham preaching the gospel to get people to, to Christ, felt a need to meet the, 
physical needs of people around the world. And he began this, this uh, organization called World, world Mission. He wrote a book that captured my heart. And it's a, it's a book named, Let My Heart Be Broken with the Things That Break the Heart of God. Y you know what's happening? I believe this is what's happening. That when tears start flowing, when your heart starts breaking, God's saying, that's my heart. You're, express you're experiencing my heart that I have, not only for people in Lahaina, that I have for people of this world. And he, he wants to lead us into a life that has a burden of prayer that every person on this earth will come to know Jesus Christ. Every person in Maui will come to know who he is so that they can have an unshakable confidence that regardless of what it is that they're going to face with all the unpredictabilities that are going to take place, they can stand strong and say, I know my God lives. And I know that my heart is right with him. And I know that should the worst of worst takes place in my life, I've got a home in heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done. I, uh, I thought about this. I want to end with this this morning. How many, how many remember Ann Landers? Anybody remember, old enough to remember Ann Landers? Or Emma Brombeck? Anybody remember Emma Brombeck? I like um, picking up things like this. And this is, uh, these are family counselors that uh, used to just get questions and they would answer it uh, uh, in articles in the newspaper. Uh, this is called My Favorite Child. And this is by Emma Brombeck. She said, every mother has a favorite child. She cannot help it. She is only human. I have mine. The child for whom I feel a special closeness, with whom I share a love that no one else could possibly understand. Um, you know, John was trying to uh, justify how he looks more like he favors Alexis than Caden last week, right? <clears throat> this might give him some justification, I don't know. The favorite child is the one who was too sick to eat ice cream at his birthday party, who had measles at Christmas, who wore leg braces to bed because he towed in, who had a fever in the middle of the night, the asthma attack, the child in my arms at the emergency ward. My favorite child spent Christmas alone away from the family, was stranded after the game with a, with a gas, tank, gas tank on empty, lost the money for his class ring. My favorite child is the one who messed up the piano recital, misspelled committee in a spelling bee, ran the wrong way with the football, and had his bike stolen because he was careless. My favorite child is the one I punished for lying, grounded for insensitivity to other people's feelings, and informed he was a royal pain to the entire family. My favorite child slammed doors in frustration, cried when she didn't think I saw her, withdrew and said she would not talk to me. My favorite child 
always needed a haircut, had hair that wouldn't curl, had no date for Saturday night, and a car that cost $600 to fix. My favorite child was selfish, immature, bad-tempered, self-centered. He was vulnerable, lonely, unsure of what he was doing in this world, and quite wonderful. All mothers have their favorite child. This is kind of like the punchline. All mothers have their favorite child. It is always the same one, the one who needs you at the moment, who needs you for whatever reason to cling to, to shout at, to hurt, to hug, to flatter, to reverse charges, to unload on, but mostly just to be there. I love that. Favorite child is the one who needs you at that time. I believe we're living in a time where we're going to see needs we have never seen before that are going to become our favorite charity to give to. And God is going to plant that in our hearts and be a blessing to the world that needs to see Jesus Christ at work because so many of them have been disillusioned by the church. And you and I are Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet to express the love that many cannot understand and have been so disillusioned about. We're going to partake of the table this morning and communion. If you can get your elements, we're going to We're going to look at uh, what Jesus did in his love for us. Unconditional love. The Bible says when we were his enemies, he loved us. Hanging on the cross, crucified because of the religious rulers of his day and their hatred for him. Rather than hatred pouring out of his heart towards them, which is the natural tendency of every human being, he opened his mouth and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, for most of us in our lives, whenever we face those kinds of real hard-to-understand relationship crisis, I think it's good for us to listen to what Jesus said that many people do things to us that they don't understand what they're doing. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And he gave his life, died for us. The Bible says he came as a sacrifice for sin, for your sin, for my sin. He came to give us an assurance that when we have him in, in our hearts, we can have the assurance of eternal life so that death need never be a thing we are afraid of because it is a step into a life far greater, far more beautiful, an eternal life of glory that he's promised. And as we open our hearts and receive what Jesus has done, we thank him for his blood that was shed, for his body that was broken. I think it would be good for us to pray the prayer, Lord, help us to be more like you. 
Help us to be more loving like you were. Help us to be more forgiving like you were. I not only want to receive you into my life, I want to become like you. So Father, this morning as we take a look at where we are here in Hawaii, here in Maui, in this church, in, in our families, in our individual roles and responsibilities. We want to just come to you and thank you for that amazing gift that you gave 2,000 years ago that we try so hard to follow. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for love. Thank you for an unconditional grace that's given to every single one of us expressed by this these elements we partake this morning and as we receive it we receive you afresh anew into our lives and ask that you would make us more like you bless this bread bless this cup we pray in jesus name go ahead and take the bread and drink of the cup And if you've never received Christ into your life, and this is, might be the first time you're in church with God tugging at your heart, can I just um, ask you that as you partake of this, these elements, that you open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. And if you voice that prayer, let one of your friends or one of our leaders know, and we'll be glad to help you in your walk with the Lord. Okay, why don't we stand? We're going to finish off with uh, our final song this morning. Baptism uh, class for anyone who's interested in getting baptized, uh, taking place up front with Pastor Zach. So if you can remember that. This is Psalms 46. God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the stream whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathens rage, the kingdoms are moved. He utters his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolation he has made in the earth. He makes wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathens. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our refuge. Father, bless your word and allow your presence to fill our hearts every day of this week, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We've got um, all kinds of small groups going on. You can, you're invited to join any one of them.